Hello and welcome to SFI Not So Live. And for the first time ever, you should be able to see us as well as hear us. So uh, welcome to a brand new season and a brand new format of the podcast. Um, but some things never change. Uh, I'm joined by uh, two of our regular stalwarts. So let's just introduce those guys first. Tony. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Hall, Head of Business Development here at Saffron. So my role, really, the best way to describe it is helping brokers and their clients to build houses for somebody else to live in or build their own house or buy a new house or remortgage to get a better deal on where they currently are. And just bringing up really quickly some new customers too, development? Yes, absolutely. There yeah. we go. We'll talk about it a bit later. And Phil, Phil, welcome. Thanks, Jay. I'm Phil Lawford, the National Account Manager at Saffron for Intermediaries. And my, my role is to look, relationship manage our key intermediary trading partners there's gonna be a little bit of a theme to this podcast so um i think our guest really does fit that brief so rachel welcome a little introduction for the audience if you can please definitely rachel geddes i run and own mortgage advice bureau city of london uh, my job is working growing my team and also working with clients wherever their mortgage and financial needs are helping them get to their goals couldn't be a better guest for us. Welcome, Rachel. So much the same as ever, we go through stories that are affecting you as brokers and the audiences. But for change, you can actually see us, which is um, a nice thing for I'm not sure that's good for everyone, but um, we'll see how we get over this month. So uh, without further ado, let's move on and just talk very quickly about what we're going to talk about and the market we're going to talk about. And we do talk about it a fair bit, guys, I think that's fair to say. And that's buy to let. I uh, know it's uh, uh, for Saffron, Tony, that's a, a big focus area. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's something we've sort of discussed and pushed. And I think, uh, Rachel, this podcast, we're going to kind of maybe knock some of the media on the head a little bit here and say there's some scaremongering going on here and there's some stories that perhaps aren't accurate to what the market's doing. 100%. There's so much positivity out there. We just need to start talking about that. And that's what we're here for. So we're going to start talking about it. So let's go to our first story. Um, and this actually, I started with a positive because I thought this was really, really nice. And this is um, Kate Davies from Imla, who was fighting the corner, as you say, and saying, look, uh, let me read the headline to you. Is, um, it says, by to let resilient sector deserving of support. And I think it's fair to say, Tony, you've provided the sector with a fair bit of support um, over the years um, and still are. Um, yeah. Why does the sector need support? And is it as bad as people are making out? What's the market look like from Saffron's perspective? Well, from our perspective, you know, from us, it's 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 a strong market. We, we you know, for us, particularly expat at the moment, that seems to be where we support a lot. But through our limited company and, and straightforward buy-to-let, we, we're, we're strong. So, uh, look, it's relative, isn't it? The whole market has had a dip because of economic circumstances, but the whole market is now seeing a, a resurgence with particularly purchase activity going up. And I think buy-to-let has certainly seen that as well. It's, we're big supporters of it. Um, why it needs a break? Because it's been uh, subject to a number of tax challenges over the over recent years and, and everything else, which has created um, unnecessary concern for a number of, you know, cohorts in the in the market, particularly the, you know, the single um the single property landlord, where it's become harder to remain in that market. Um, so yeah, I think I think it needs a bit of a break, which is what Kate's basically saying. It's had you know the, the tax and everything else, and stamp duty reform and things that could be done to help this sector uh, are very much needed because it is a 
you know, a vital part of our housing strategy as a as a country. Twenty percent of all housing is private rented sector. So therefore, let's help these people continue to do that. So Phil, I know this is an area you're particularly uh, fond of in that respect. And you you say this often that without the private rental market, we wouldn't have a rental market because there's not enough social housing. There's not enough yeah. housing out there. So, you know, these stories and these doom and gloom, and we will talk a little bit about some of the stories that are in the mainstream mm. media, but this doom and gloom, and actually we need that market. And you've been a big, you know, you in the last podcast, you were quite vocal yeah. in your support of private landlords. Yeah. Um, look, whatever your view is on private landlords, they are a really important component of our, of our housing ecosystem. You know, uh, they're filling in that gap. The, the, there's such a there's this supply and demand issue, and that's not going away. And it has, um, the private landlord sector has, um, has filled that gap for, 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 for many years. Uh, if we didn't have that, we'd, we'd be in an even, even, even bigger mess than we are. So, you know, I think it's, we just need to be even-handed and, and, and perhaps be, be fairer w with them. So it, it's really easy to bash landlords and, and seeing them as the, the baddies taking up the housing stock. But the issue is the housing stock. There's not enough housing stock. That's the problem. Yeah, they, they can't take but, what isn't there, but yeah, there isn't anything there and there's needs, nothing else left, needs is there? fixing. So that, yeah. that, they're picking up the slack. And, you know, I think the other point is there's been a lot of doom and gloom in, in the financial press, um, you know, particularly over the last sort of six months. Um, but there's a lot of positivity out there. Uh, so, you know, it, it's never good to, it, it's not a good story, is it, to, you know, to, good news it doesn't, doesn't make the headlines, but the reality is there are more landlords looking to increase their housing stock mm -hmm. than there are landlords exiting the market. So let's focus on that. Um, you know, the housing stock, stock, you know, what if we have a change of government this year, you know, nothing is going to be fixed quickly. It's, it's long term. So we need to support the private landlord and talk the market up, really, um, not talk ourselves in, in, into And it's hard. You, you just said it's yeah. really hard to not fall into the trap of hearing these bad landlords. And yeah. you do see a lot more yeah. stories about bad landlords than you will good ones. Mm. And it's such a small minority. But, you know, there is a lot of slapping the landlords, a lot of people that are... Would assume, and and I suppose, as you were saying, the politics of it. Yeah. You know, there hasn't really been that much support from no. the government yeah. for, for landlords. And, and the economic market we're in now, or the situation we're in now, isn't very comfortable for them, is it? I mean, the no, rates are high. Yeah, everything, everything about being a landlord is difficult. Yeah. But they're willing to stay, and I think we need to support that, no? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the, one of the first things we can do is not talk it down. So let's... Let's be positive about the sector because a lot of good things happening. I think it's fair to say the market for the private landlord is changing. It's not, you know, you might not be getting the the high high monthly rental yields, mm -hmm. but as, as 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 previously, but it's still a really, you know, it's still a really good return for your capital on mm -hmm. the medium to long term as well. Yes. So mm -hmm. let's not lose that focus as well. Mm -hmm. So, Rachel, you talk a lot in this space. I'm going to pass over to you for a minute, just have a little chat. Um, about, you know, you, you spoke very highly uh, about landlords and about Bytelet as a whole, and you speak very very openly about it. What's your opinion now? Where Are you seeing the dip as a, as a you know, being on the other side of the fence and not being from a lender? Are you seeing a dip? Is there a reason for that? Are, are people talking about why 
they're wanting to come out of the market. Are they coming out of the market or are these stories just a little bit inaccurate? I would say it's really inaccurate. So when we're speaking to our landlords, actually they are wanting to get more properties. We're all whispering to more first-time landlords. Probably 2023, the market across all areas got hit. There's no change in that challenge. So buy to that obviously was as well. But coming back from that, landlords want to keep on investing. It's just been a neglected part of the market. They have been hit with tax, regulation, regimes, going green, all these things and U-turns on them. It's just non-stop hit, hit, hit. And all you ever see in the media is profiteering landlords, rent going up. Well, actually, these people are running a business. So they need to break even or make a little bit of money. So therefore, the tenant's rent is going up. And we've seen that change dramatically over the last several years, Mm -hmm. where actually, if we don't take a step back and look at the full market, we rely on landlords because there's tenants. People want to live out of their parents' home. So there's always going to be a need and demand for tenant. So on average, there's about 20 to 25 tenants per property at the moment, which is that demand, we need to change that. There's a massive, massive stock issue. However, if we don't look at that, we aren't considering our next lot of first-time buyers and first-time investors because their rent is going up and up and up. So therefore, their ability to buy is being delayed further. Therefore, the home market does come to a bit of a stopping point. Mm -hmm. You haven't got first-time buyers, you haven't got home movers. So as much as people want to say the buy-to-let Mongols, as it's been called, and all this negativity about it, actually, no, they are crucial to the whole ecosystem of the buying market. We need them so much. Um, And they have just been not non-stop from different things. And now it's time to actually look and say to the landlords, what are you seeing? Mm -hmm. So when we speak to our landlords, they are all wanting to continue to invest. They are all looking to buy, on average, one to three more properties going forward. That's not changing because they see the demand for it. New investors want to get on the ladder. It's just where do they go? Mm-hmm. Trying to get that education out to a landlord, whether it's portfolio, new starter, it's so difficult. And the media just runs of the negativity. And that's when he's changed. And I think you just said really important that it's something we talk about quite a lot on the podcast, and that is bringing people together. That's like the community of it. So, you know, it's important that we bring this sector together, especially, and saying to them, look, you're an experienced landlord. We've got young landlords who are, or want wannabe landlords, as you were saying. Surely the education needs to come from them. They've been through the worst of it, some of these. And is it not time that we start pulling together a bit more? If we could do that, it would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because actually they want to learn from that. But it's also the duty of us as brokers, business owners, lenders, to actually offer that education to landlords. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at investing in properties, where do you go? Well, first off, you go to Google. Don't do it. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> Seek advice. But actually, people don't know where to start because it has become so complex and specialist over the years. Actually, is it that much more complex than it was 10 years ago? Certain things have changed, but actually the formula of it hasn't really changed. It's maybe become a bit more tied on stress testing, rates and things like that. But actually the formation of becoming a landlord hasn't changed. You might do an unlimited company name versus personal name. You just need to speak to somebody for advice. And that's what we need to get accessible is getting that advice. Tony, what you've been doing as a lender to, to, to offer advice. I know you've got a strong team now. We talk often about how you've grown your team, but that education to brokers is as important as the brokers is to consumers. So have you done anything? Is there anything you're planning to do? Have you seen good examples of what people have done to give these wannabe and 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 existing landlords who want to grow their portfolios like the education they need to, to move forward? I think it's a I think that's a really good question, and I probably think 
being very candid, we've probably not done enough. Um, we need to do more. We're, we're, there's other areas of the market that we are really supporting with guides and help and, and things, but actually that's a good reflection for us to, to move forward. Actually, how do we help and support? I think the, the key thing for me, um, and Rachel's just said it, is about getting advice. Okay, yeah. so and that's the power of mortgage brokers, mortgage advisors. Go and get professional advice on the best thing to do. Now, they won't be able to necessarily advise you on the tax situation, but they can recommend and put you forward to seeing a tax specialist that can help you understand how's the best way to formulate this to support what you need. So, mm -hmm. but we we will take that away and think about how can we support this sector from from an education perspective what can we produce or who can we work with obviously you've got the you know the trade associations for for the for the for the landlords that we can look to think about how do we how do lenders work with them you know so it's a good really good and question. It's, it's, you've got to look at it from a, i hate this phrase but like focus groups where you have you know new upcoming landlords somebody who's got maybe one property wants to you know invest and wants to grow a portfolio having somebody chair a panel have a chat have an open debate you can do it online you don't have to get in a group and be in a room you yeah, you know, we've got enough digital sources now to get people together but i just feel like you know what about brokers where do they go so if you're a new broker and you've not really worked in this space where do they go to get their education honestly there's nowhere for them so it comes with experience and that's the problem that's something that i am really spearheading how do we change that because at the moment, as a broker, you get your CMF exams, you go through your internal training, and then you get registered with the lenders, you can go. So actually, how do we change that? How do we bring it back? How do we make sure that clients can have really productive, professional conversations with brokers, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's brokers that are more experienced working with newer brokers or less experienced brokers? Also, asking brokers, what do they know? And giving them safe space to ask questions. Mm. There is this whole stigma of if you have to ask a question and ask for help, are you actually knowing your job where that's how I learn? I asked everybody for help. Teach me, Absolutely. I'm a sponge. Yeah. Um, and actually having those peer-to-peer -peer groups is really, really important to, to share knowledge. There's no point me having all this knowledge and not sharing it with anybody. I'll share it with my team. I expect my team to share it with their clients and also to, to share it with other brokers too. That's what this is about. And it's, you say about working as a community, the industry has to collaborate a lot better yeah, and actually we have the forum because we've got the Working in Mortgages, um, you know, uh, uh, initiative, which is, you know, cross lender and and brokers. So I think that's a, that's a challenge to raise to that community. How can we support this better? What can we do? You know, IMLA last year ran a, a conference for new starters to the industry just to get people understanding. Perhaps there's one around. I think landlords yeah. and stuff so i will certainly be raising that mm. um, well, we almost need like a, a bite let academy don't we really yeah. Yeah. where that could be a virtual academy cross yeah. cross network cross cross industry both for you know lenders underwriting development managers uh and and crossing over to the advice side as well mm. so it's it's all about sharing the best practices and, and those those wins and like you said it's all about that experience and imparting experience well, there's so many events and you see yeah. lots of lenders going to events mm. meeting brokers but actually you know it's extending that beyond just yeah. oh let's meet let's talk about our proposition to let's educate you because what what worries me is um there are 
some brokers I've seen where new new brokers or going through the train are, are given buy to lets to do because they were perhaps unregulated. That's a bad practice. Mm-hmm. You know, buy to let is more specialist, so there should be almost be a, a benchmark for for that uh, because of you know seeing a specialist buy to let broker who knows what they're doing with the right contacts for you know tax advice legal advice you know the the good the good brokers have that then you know that that will produce good outcomes for for for, for clients really and that's i think that's what we need isn't it it's been quite controversial in the industry i've pushed out for this whether we let new brokers go straight into just doing buy to let as well um in my business i don't allow that so we train all of our brokers, but through different segments right. because there's so much to learn in this industry. You can't do that on day one. So we do do it in baby steps, in bite-sized chunks. So they fully understand each area of the market, but they have the resource that if they do come across a bite application that they aren't yet qualified in my eyes to do, they've got a team around them that can do it. And it's having that, if you can't do it, you have somebody that can pass it out to. Um, we have to have specialist license for second charges, commercials, bridging, all this. Buy to let on its own is a specialist, mm. but nothing needs to change. And the same with you get registered with your company or with your uh, network, club, whoever you're working with to join lenders. And with a buy to let, you can register with every buy to let lender and start selling buy to let mortgages. No one knows that broker's experience, their knowledge. And it's so crucial that when you are doing buy to lets, whether it's the first one or the 50th one, that they're set up correctly. And you need to do it from day one. You can't learn on the job doing that. You've got to rely on your people around you and have that. Every company should have it, that they have a specialist in each sector that their team can learn from. That's a really good concept. And it must be difficult for your guys, Tony, as well, with brokers who are limited in knowledge, because I suppose your team are then educating them, which is what we're talking about, really, isn't it? It's educating them and giving the advice they need to go back to their, their customer is that, is that a challenge for your team? Is that something you see regularly that brokers are, as as Rachel was saying, they're, they're sort of new, fresh, and actually a little bit stuck? Yeah, look, it, um, it's like any industry. You've got you've got the competent, and you've got the incompetent, and this industry is no different, if I'm honest. All right, mm-hmm. and our job is to support both sides of the coin uh, of that equation, and we do a lot of that because um, it it never surprises me how ill-equipped some advisors are for basics and we're teaching them absolute basics and that's that's not having a pop that's that's reality isn't it yeah but that's that's the job of a good bdm is to help them educate them educate them as to what the market can do i mean we get so often the broker ringing us saying i've got this scenario what would you do and we'll we'll help them but it's kind of like that's that's your job you know, we but we help them. We help them understand a set of accounts. We help them understand a bank statement. What's what good bank statement looks like. So there's an awful lot of that education. I don't think we probably go into the tax side of it because that's 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 not that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. But in terms of the best way we can help is how to put the case forward in its best light. Mm-hmm. Or as Phil always says, how do you get your applicant match fit? I love that phrase. How do you get the match fit ready for that application? Yeah. So that the underwriter goes, this is easy. I can do this all day. Tick. There's got to be some advice as well. So let's let's jump from the inexperienced to the experienced. 
And how does a consumer find an experienced buy-to-let broker? Because we talk about this a lot, don't we? That brokers' websites aren't necessarily the best. They don't necessarily promote themselves the best. And when you've got, Rachel, you said it's a specialist market. You need to have specialists everywhere that people see, don't you? And and you need, a, a consumer needs to know that you are the person to go to for buy-to-let, especially with all the different variations, so expat or limited company. What, what are brokers doing wrong and what can they do better? I think brokers, we've become really good at technology regarding how we can key cases, make that streamlined. From a marketing point of view, we're brokers, we're mortgages. We do not understand any of that concept. So I'm fortunate being part of a network, they do all that for me. So they can publicize, they can work alongside me. But most brokers don't have that support of a big network behind them that's doing that. So you don't actually know where to start. Where do you put yourself out there? How do you actually get to the landlords? Because the same thing is most businesses won't just deal with just buy to let or just new build or just self build. They will go across. So how do you put yourself into those catchments? And you've got to then look at your consumer. Where are they looking? Mm. Where's the consumer going first to get advice? And you've got to put yourself there. But that's forever changing as well because our demographic of a landlord is changing. We've got your first time landlords coming through. Probably age range is late 30s to early 40s at the moment now. And what's their go-to channel? It's going to be TikToks, your social medias and Googles. And then you've also got your more probably experienced portfolio landlord with more than four or five properties, which is mid to late 50s. Where are they going for that advice? Who are they speaking to? So as brokers, we need to understand where are our consumers going first and therefore we can put ourselves in front of them so they can actually see that. And actually working with lenders, and this is where it's been quite controversial, where I have pushed back on some lenders and said, actually, can we make it that if you've got new brokers registering that they haven't been given that experience, that training yet, they get directed to where they can get the training. But until that point, they aren't actually activating selling because anyone can put on their website, they deal with buy to let. You can do that as a mortgage broker straight away and you can put the word, I specialize in buy to let. Yeah. Actually, how does that client, that consumer know that's what you do? Absolutely. I would, one of the things that, um, and I'm working in with, I mentor some brokers actually from the Working in Mortgages um, initiative and I've been talking to one of them around how do they promote what they do and said you really need to get into, you know, the the rating systems like Trustpilot, all right, because that is the start point for an awful lot of people's journeys. Even if it's not looking at Trustpilot directly, it's Googling and Trustpilot in its very nature, will pick that up because that starts to demonstrate whether you're the specialist or not. You know, your web, as you said, your websites are poor in, in the most places. They don't easily articulate how to help somebody. We've done this from the research that we've done on other sectors of the market. So I always say get get yourself on Trustpilot and get your clients who, who recognise what you do shouting about you because that will help. And, you know, it's like... I always, I, this would be one of my rants. You know, <laughs> I always talk about this that, you know, in terms of when you buy something from Amazon or you book a holiday, do you, do you go on the strength of what it says about the product or the, or the location or the star rating someone gives it? Absolutely. So all of us make a decision based on somebody else's view. You haven't got any idea what their moral compass is. You've got no idea what their standards are, but you'll discount something because someone goes, oh, don't like that. I don't like red, you know, to coin a favorite phrase. And that's, but that's what you need to do to get 
where you need to get to. So I always recommend that that's what brokers do as a, an absolute must. Yeah. Mm. From a consumer point of view, I, I think probably if I was a, a prospective buy-to-let landlord, I would talk to other landlords, experienced landlords, and ask them, what broker do they use? Yes. Are they good? Are they happy? You know, I think the personal recommendations, you can't go wrong then, you know, because uh, then you'll also get, well, I use this person and they weren't good. Word of mouth has so. been the biggest marketing tool for yes. forever. Absolutely. Forever. So and continue. And actually, there, I think recently, do you not think there's a reluctance, though, for people to say, mm. oh, you've done a grand job or to give you a review? Yeah. I think that's slipped back a bit. And I really mm. liked that, that kind of focus on get people to talk about how good you are. I mean, yeah. to stop being so almost British, I suppose, yeah. and going, oh, I don't know if I want to ask them for a review. Do it. Yeah. Because actually it does you in a world of good. And ask for referrals and ask for recommendations. Yeah. It's going old school selling, but that's how we all started yeah. off. And where's the place we can do that without, uh, we could do all of that obviously on the referral sites, but we can also do that on LinkedIn. And I think the mistake that we have is we, we talk at the audience on LinkedIn without getting someone to join us on our posts and saying, let's have a conversation about what you did for us and, and sharing. We say it all the time, but case studies are brilliant because you've got somebody who said, oh, you really helped me with this. And it doesn't take long for somebody to get a client and go, I read somewhere that somebody handled the case just like this. I'm going to ask them for some advice. It's silly little things, isn't it? But silly little things that work. You talk about experienced brokers. Actually, we don't like putting ourselves outside our comfort zone. Put us with a client, put us one-on-one, -on -one, we're fine. Put us on that platform, even do something like this, it's outside our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Actually, can we support each other to be vocal? If we're experienced in that sector, let's talk about it. Let's share our experience on these platforms. It doesn't have to be that, com no. that competition, does it? It doesn't no, have to be that relaxing to speak to each other, support each other. There's enough no. business always to go around, yeah. whether it's via brokers, via lenders, there's enough. Let's Absolutely. stop competing. Absolutely. The market is, you know, it's 300 billion. You know, we say that as though that's a lot. That's a lot, that's of, a money. lot yeah. of mortgages. That's, that's a lot of money, you know. So there's enough to go around. You know, I'm a real advocate of, of of sharing i have no issue sharing anything we do with lenders or whatever because there's enough to go around we, we can we can all learn you know don't give away anything sensitive that you shouldn't but it doesn't matter we're all here to help and support each other yeah our bdm sorry yeah our bdms regularly and this is what i'm really proud of is i regularly i hear them regularly talking to broken saying look this isn't one that we can help with but have you tried this lender? You know, and and that's that's just all. That's obviously basic relationship mm. building. But that's that's how we need to be. The industry needs to be more collaborative because of um, you know that that's that's how we can you know. And it's a difficult time. We're just about, I know we're in twenty twenty four. We're still talking about the pandemic. But I'm trying to get across what I want to get across here was the fact that we all started working from home. Some a lot of brokers are self employed. They might not necessarily have those peers and mentors you were talking about, access, accessible um, on the doorstep as we were before. The water cooler chats have disappeared a little bit. And, uh, oh, I need a little bit of support. I know Margaret over there has been in this game for 25 years. I'm going to go talk to her. We've lost a bit of that. And I think there's also, having visited offices, everyone's gone back there still isn't quite that banter. There's still a lot of sitting at desks and cracking on and not so much chat. So I think... 
we need to look at bringing that back, you know, going pre-2020 and saying, what, what are we still missing? What are we still not put back into the workplace that will give us the knowledge, understanding and the, and the expertise it's development? Going back to probably pre-even the pandemic and so on. So we went remote 2018. So my team asked to do that. I was reluctant because I was old school. We've all got to be in the office together. And it worked. It worked amazingly. The problem for us in the pandemic was we'd never done video calls. This is a whole new thing that we're having to experience. We've been used to working from home and different locations, but now we were locked at home with our families and how to do video calls with dogs and children moving around the background. However, we used to always have mentors. As Tony was just saying, in the industry, this has become a big thing. But actually, in every business, we should have mentors. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the bit that's really changed because people that haven't maybe worked remotely and are now coming back to the office, they've got used to now just being on their own. Yes. Um, the mortgage industry world as a broker has always been a very lonely job because prior to maybe having telephone centers on, you all worked to have estate agencies or banks. There was one of you in each branch or each office. Yeah. So you're always very much isolated, but you would always be partnered with somebody. So it is really important to have that buddy system still and actually change it around in the business. Don't keep the two buddies together yeah. or the two mentors together because actually you learn from different people. Uh, but that's where businesses have kind of become maybe too focused on the results versus the teams. Yes. And it's going back to actually what does the team need? What do the brokers need? Mm -hmm. Therefore, what do the consumers need? And working that better uh, because you can have a team of 10, 50 people, but if they never speak to each other, they're never going to learn from each other. If they're all sat with headsets on, they could all be sat at home. Yeah. Actually, but it's also taking them away from that frontline sales as well. Actually, how often do businesses do in-house training? How often do they actually say to their team, don't just listen to us. Go and listen to the webinars, the podcasts. Go and speak to other people in the industry. What are they doing? Learn from each other. Because that's how you get to be the better broker. And therefore, you've got the better broker. The client's outcome is going to be better too. And we saw that in 2020, didn't we, Tony? When we launched SFI Live, which obviously was the parent to this spin-off, which is now this has yeah. become the parent. But, you know, we, um, we saw that. And the engagement we had in 2020, because everyone was at home, as you Absolutely. say, but the engagement was unbelievable. And the yeah. chat room never stopped. Yeah. People were asking so many questions. Yeah. And we're missing that now. Yeah. Because people have got fatigue. But then, I mean, Tony, Phil, you've both been at loads of events. Mm. They are kicking off now. I've seen a lot more events across yeah. the country. There is a lot more collaboration going on now, surely. Yeah. And it's, that's good. I mean, that, that's the other big tip for brokers wanting to learn more is, is go to events because of most of them are free as well. So, you know, there's the there's the structured learning that, you know, from the agendas, but there's also the, I suppose, more passive learning that just, just through talking and socialising mm -hmm. where you pick up stuff. I mean, I you know, I've been in this industry, what, 35 years, you know, and I still learn something most weeks, you Absolutely. know. Um, I mean, Rachel were talking earlier. And I, I, you know, I, I learned stuff there from our, our conversation. So you never stop learning. Uh, it's just all about keeping these conversations going. Yeah, I mean, and speaking about our team, we, the collaboration side, as Phil just said, I'm delighted that all of my BDMs now have got collaboration with other lenders and other providers in the mortgage chain and we're running regional events because a lot of these events are centered in London or Birmingham or Manchester. And if you're outside of those main conurbations it can be a challenge to get that education without taking a whole day out your diary to do it so lee's running one down in exeter 
um, which has got five or six lenders and it's got a conveyancing firm. So it's 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 not just understanding mortgages, it's also understanding the whole house buying process and how yeah. to remove some of that sludge. And I know with Jackie's got one in the north, which has got a variety of different um, providers in within the mortgage arena, so we're doing a lot of collaboration with other lenders. We do hear this, don't we? We've, we've had we've had what solicitors, we've had uh, conveyances, and everybody on Absolutely. this podcast, and everybody says the same thing. It's just taking that person to step out. Yeah. Of it, it, it absolutely, and the team are starting to run more of their own little webinars local as well, and I'm really pleased with the take up. Mm. You know, um, brokers are really keen to hear on a localized basis from their BDM, how we can help. Do you think the brand level stuff is maybe a switch off? It's a bit too corporate for them. Maybe they feel, I mean, obviously it's, no, it's useful, it, yeah. but do you think no, that local feel Absolutely, look, that edge, prove it. Look, if, we, if we send an email, right, you, you, we, we actually get a reasonably good open rate. But if an individual BDM sends an email, it gets an amazing open rate. If an individual BDM sends a LinkedIn post, it gets an even better reaction. You know, we've proven that one of our BDMs, emailing a set of brokers, with a topic, got very little response. He then put exactly the same topic on LinkedIn. Within five minutes, he had an engagement with someone going, oh, you can help me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the difference. Look, it's, it's life, and I always, I always get this, this phrase wrong, but people don't care what you know until they know how much you care, yeah. all right? And that's the key. If you put in the effort, people then buy from you. The brand's irrelevant because mm. they trust you. And that's the, that's the key in our market. It's all about trust from a, a broker to a lender and a consumer to a broker. Well, the conversation trailed off. We haven't really followed a normal format and talked about the story. So we've just had a conversation, which is great. So obviously the new format's working for us. I hope it is for you guys too. So just to go back to one of the topics, because um, Rachel, you mentioned something earlier, and that was portfolio landlords over 55 or 55 and over. Um the Daily Mirror said, uh, you've seen the article, that those applicants or those late-to-life buy-to-let lenders, a borrower, sorry, have fallen off a cliff. And that's a quote, sorry, that is a quote. <laughs> true uh, or not true? I won't say it's true. I would say what you've had is a lot of those portfolios are probably our biggest portfolio landlords. So they've maybe had to readjust because of the changes. It's only the last two years we've really seen those impact from the tax changes. Mm -hmm. So they had to sit back and go, how's this going to actually impact us? At the same time, we had certain things happen in the market that meant rates increased quite dramatically. Yeah. So they've had their biggest tax hits as well as a lot of them are coming out on what's been the lowest rates we've seen for years and they're now coming out onto what we call more standard rates. So it has been a double hit for them. So they have maybe sat back a little bit and reevaluated, but coming off the cliff, absolutely not. What we are seeing though is they're now evaluating what they're going to do next with their portfolios. Yes. Because depending why they first bought these, was it for a returning income in their retirement or was it for them to actually have capital in their retirement? And that's what they're looking to do. So also, because there's been so much doom and gloom in the media regarding having portfolios, mm -hmm. a lot of these people put their portfolios together to leave to their children and grandchildren. And these children and grandchildren are going, we don't want anything to do with this. Why would we want to be because part of it? Because I've been fear-mongered into believing it's yeah. horrible Absolutely. Market. And that's the thing. So actually, if you speak to majority of our practical sector landlords, they want to carry on going. They want yeah. to carry on growing their portfolios. They're just looking at what do they do? What's their end game? And each landlord's end game is going to be different. 
So it's understanding that from the day one and evolving with it and evolving mm -hmm. with the market. But we still have that age group wanting to buy. Again, though, the media has gone down this route. Yeah, They've yeah. gone off the minority that have maybe sold off because they've needed to. Circumstances have changed. What people don't ever see, though, is when a landlord might sell off their portfolio, for a manner of reasons, huge amount of that is bought back by other landlords that have got portfolios yeah. in the exact yeah. same age arena as them now or different yeah, arenas. Yeah, yeah. So just because a landlord sells off their portfolio doesn't mean they've been lost in the buy to that market. They've actually, a lot of occasion, a large portion have gone back into the buy to that market. That's just not captured anywhere. Interesting point. Okay. My, my biggest issue, just to another Tony Rand, is the categorization of over 55s as the start of later life. Now, I'm closer to 55 than not. We didn't say later life. No, but that's what the article states. It does it? say and, later and life in the mirror. I thought that's a bit rough. It very much yeah, rankles me now going, hang on a minute. Because I am in that category very shortly. I could buy an assisted home soon, for Christ's sake, which is worrying, isn't it? Um, We're living late now, so is it, you say we need to do well, these categories saying, a little bit later. We need to recalibrate this to go, actually, let's really understand what later life is, because it certainly isn't 55. It's a really good point, though, because actually when you take the first-time buyer and the first-time landlord age, where that's gone up to yeah, now, yeah. actually, if you were to take that, the... Home buyer market then for your later life would be less than 15, 20 That's years. That's really crazy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So most most first time buyers are lending into retirement. Yes. Yeah. Average yeah. age 34, 35, terms going to 40. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It used to be 60, 65. Exactly. Then it became 70, but also retirement age. And they're yeah. looking at changing it again at yeah. the moment. Actually, these things do have to be moved forward because. We, we're still working on the first-time buyer age group as early, mid-20s. That's it's not been the not. case and for over a decade. we're also looking at the death rates and death ages of a previous generation. We're actually we're living yeah. a lot longer, and we, we're likely to live a lot longer over the coming years. You're going to see that age grow and grow and grow. Absolutely. So While we're talking about age... Um, Don't look at me. No, sorry, First-time landlords, because actually there's a there's a part of the first-time first landlord mortgage market that appeals to me or I, re I respect. And that was when I came out of university and I went off to um, work in London. I didn't, but a lot of my friends bought a home back home and rented it because there was no way they were going to afford a property in London. They want to be on the property ladder. And she was saying it was a, it was their future. They were investing for their future. And they thought, well, actually, the market's quite good at the moment. I'm going to get myself a three-bedroom detached or semi-detached house at a decent price and then when, and rent it out when I'm ready. I can move into it and start a family, whatever. Now, you, uh, I want to bring this up with you, Tony, first, because Saffron offer first-time buyer, first-time landlord. Across the whole range, yeah. Portfolio, and I think that is, Standard yeah. or expat. Yeah. I think that's really important to note because actually, as you were saying, you want to build that nest egg, but there's a lot of professionals out there that can't necessarily afford a home where they work, might not be able to afford to commute or, and buy. Or, or, or don't want to yet. Or don't they're, want to they're, yet. They're having their best life in London, but they want to start their portfolio. I mean, some might be having their best life with mum and dad. I well, mean, yeah, and then buying a house to rent yeah. now. I mean, the, you don't know. The do one you? area of the market that we've identified that we're sadly not in yet is the first-time buyer, first-time landlord, but HMO or um, okay, multi-unit block because the rental yields in a single AST are a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you buy an HMO, you've got you know five or six beds creating the right yield for you. However, there's not many lenders that will lend to a first-time landlord, first-time buyer 
I wouldn't HMO. have even considered that an option. So it's an area that we've identified. We're not in it yet. There are a few lenders in it, but it's it is a gap in the market that hopefully at some point we can we can help solve. But that's that's how it's changing because that's where you're going to get your yield from. And that's how we make new landlords. So you guys are offering that opportunity, as you say, as we go on. We can actually end up with younger landlords as opposed to just older ones. But it's, again, where do they get their advice? And I think if you listen back to this, Rachel, I'm sure we've given her enough information yeah. to say at least go and find somebody who knows what they're talking about. Go and speak to a professional every single time. Exactly. I think, as you said, Rachel, everyone was a first-time landlord once. Yeah, 100%. Even that's the how guy, they start. Even these guys with three, 400 properties, they, they had one. So we need a bit of a dragon's den for landlords, don't we? Well, people Wouldn't forget. that be a great idea? Maybe we can, maybe mm. as a spin-off of this podcast, maybe we can start doing some focus group, live focus group stuff for landlords. Could do. That'd be amazing. Maybe we, I said we can get a lender, we've got a broker, we've got a broker and lender in the room. <laughs> we've got a completely independent of what you're talking about sitting here as well. Um, but, you know, there well, are plenty of people out there. We've got the solicitor angle covered as well. We, we have. We've got a perfect price. We've got them all. There you go. Sorted. We've got them all. Could okay, watch this space, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, We've only got a few minutes left, um, so I just want to touch on the very last story that I shared with you guys, because we haven't followed the normal format, but I think this has been much more informative, a lot more yeah. fun doing it this way, so yeah. I'm really pleased we chose yeah. to do this. But our final story was um, a load of various different people talking about 2024, how it's going to be the year for the broker, it's going to be a year for the market, after what the, the kicking we took a little bit last year. Um Let's have a look at this. Let's do it again. I know we do it often, but let's talk about it from a broker perspective. What is 2024 looking like at the moment, Tone? And what do you predict it's going to be for this Look, year? it's been a great boost. That You know, this market um, is a confidence market. Yeah, if confidence is up, you know, the market's good. And it's start of the year has been amazing. You know, 27 Tech and the sourcing providers has had the, has had quoted the best ever January to over 2 million searches, you know, and the, and the big plus for me in that is purchase yes. searches were up 120% on December. Okay, that's interesting. And up on the same period in 2023. So there's a lot of buoyancy, rates have been dropping. Obviously, there's been a slight plateau now, which is now seeing the other way because of the technical recession, which has spooked the market. As I said, the market needs certainty. Yeah. So there is a. But the Bank of England are saying well, they're not going to increase it. Exactly. More, aren't they? But, yeah, exactly. But, but swap rates, which is what most lenders price their, their profitability on, are going up because of that statement and the begrudgingly stubborn 4% inflation. So it's not going up, but it's not coming down. So there is a bit of a readjustment with particularly the high street lenders, because they're the volume players, pushing the rates back up. I think we saw the last of the 4% deals go yesterday with HSBC's up price. So there isn't any sub 4%, yeah. sorry, sub 4% deals in the market. Right. However, look, I think there's a huge opportunity this year. You know, this is the year in my view for diversification for brokers and advisors, you know. We've got more people looking at different ways of income. We've got more people considering how they live and work. So there's more opportunity for people. So if you're a broker that doesn't diversify from what you've already always done, you probably might find it a bit more of a struggle than those who are reflecting and open to looking at other opportunities in the market. So for me, it's embraced that. And we're seeing that because most of the 
trade events and most of the networks that we work with in the clubs, the focus is about diversification. How can you grow your business? So I think the opportunity is there if you choose to take it. Phil, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, you know, the positives are January was much, much better than 2023. We had, I think everybody I've spoken to had a better January this year than last year. Swap rates have increased slightly, but I think we're adjusting now to a higher, slightly higher rate environment. So that's good. So we've we've got used to rates being a bit higher, uh, both lenders and, and brokers. Um, as Tony mentioned, complex. Uh, the market has become more complex, so lenders had to adapt to that, and brokers are starting to adapt because of life is now more complicated than it was. But that brings opportunity, whether we're seeing more working patterns change, so we're seeing more contract workers, more self-employed applicants. Um, so there's more adaptive solutions coming out there in the market. And that's the other good thing is lenders aren't just pressing that rate button and you know seeing if they can win business by the lowest rate. They're actually adapting criteria now. We're seeing that come through. Which, which is fantastic news for, for consumers because of ultimately you can have the best if you have the best rates in the world if you don't fit that lender's criteria it's not worth a thing so, so that's really positive um, and then yeah we're, we're finally seeing some movement on in, in, in planning as well so there's been some positive news about the planning process so that should create hopefully some opportunity for, for house building as well so let's Let's see how it plays out, but I think there's a lot for us to be optimistic about this year. Rachel, there's a lot in them too, but <laughs> yours from a broker perspective. So what's your, what's your your view for your business in 2024 and what it's going to be like? It's a positive outlook, that's for certain. Um, we talk about 2023, but we've also touched on 2020 and what happened then as well. So we've had a good three years of big highs and big lows. And I'm always saying to my team and anybody who bothers to listen to me, my thing is our industry, I've been here for over 20 years. We are like a heart monitor. It's going to go up and down. Yeah. You don't want to be in cardiac arrest. Go. <laughs> you don't want to be flatlining either. Um, and actually, when we've come into January, it has been a lot more positive. There's been a lot more activity. Purchases, like Tony says, is definitely up. We are seeing a lot more purchases, not just first time buyers, but also buy to let purchases. Mm -hmm. And that is really important because that's driving the market. Clients' confidence, though. So we need to be confident in the market as brokers, as lenders, but the consumer seems more confident and that this is what we're going to be seeing for some time. I like to say, inflation is not playing as we wanted it to. Um, everyone's hoping it's going to nosedive this year and that isn't going to be the case. It's going to be a stubborn market. But realising this is what we're going to be doing and this is how it's going to be for some time. Once you accept that and realise it, the opportunities for every challenge that there is, there's an opportunity mm -hmm. and it's looking at them. So collaborating, looking at working with other lender partners and so on. There, there is this kind of like you work with who you know, where actually speak to all the lenders you haven't spoken to. So for any new broker, if you haven't spoken to a certain lender that you can work with, pick up the phone to them. Yeah. Find out a way to say yes more often. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. Don't stick with your circle of people that you know, because they're still going to always be there. Look outside of it. Yeah. Push those boundaries. Um, 
it does look really good. There's going to always be hits. It's our, it's the mortgage industry. Come on. It's going to take some hits. It always has done. However, consumers seem to be more confident in what they're doing. Um, they've had to readjust not just to mortgage rate increases, but the whole cost of living. This has now become a norm versus a scare. And we've just got to keep on putting that message out there. Like you said, criteria has been changing. Affordability assessments have been changing. Looking at different ways of buying properties as a whole mm -hmm. has changed. Let's just keep on talking about it, though. Let's keep on getting that information down to the consumer, the positive, because we can't get mad. And as much as I moan about it, the doom and gloom that's been put out there, unless we're putting the positive out there as well. That's yeah. what we've got to do. Is we've got to change that perception. It's a confidence market. If the market, if people are confident, it's great. If it's not, it it does struggle. So I think I think you're spot on. We need to counter some of this doom mongering that's in the press. Absolutely. Rachel had to go with that guy. Never. So it's just to give you a little plug, here, Rachel. But <laughs> Rachel yeah. went on. Um, it was uh, Martin's, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you tell us about it. You went on there and you gave some mortgage information out on TV, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so I was invited along to Martin Lewis when he was doing his mortgage roadshow on it and it was good because it was being to the consumer because we have to remember in this industry from lenders to brokers there is a consumer yeah. who is sitting at home worried yeah. whether it's how do they get on the ladder how do they invest what's happening with their remortgage they are worried um, and we we're all human we've all got mortgages we've all got bills to pay so actually being human with them is probably the biggest thing that came from that show was actually understanding the concerns yeah. but having the answers and having that conversation uh, so it's great to be on there to profile the broker industry because we need to get more positive news out there. We need the professionals talking, yeah. uh, not just presenters. It needs to be coming from the advisors. Yeah. Uh, but actually remembering concern is the biggest hit of confidence. Um, just be open. Have those real confident conversations about actually, yeah, we've gone through the same thing as humans. Mm -hmm. uh, the consumer will get more confident. That's all they want. They want to know they're doing the right thing. Tony, I cut you off, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I've forgotten what I've said. It's me. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Close to 55. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's well, it's would fine. you believe that's our time up? Wow. Uh, wow. That has gone so quick today. Uh, Rachel, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank uh, we you can't thank you enough yes. for, for coming Amazing. and joining us as the first thank guest you. in the new series. So it's really nice to have you with us. And I hope you come back. Oh, um, absolutely. If you have me. Absolutely. We will definitely have you back. Don't you worry. And Phil, Tony, thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Jay. I think we've enjoyed this, haven't we? It's been yeah, it's good. Might keep yeah, honestly, going. Yeah, so the much new, yeah, new yeah. evolution of SFI, not yeah, so live as it were. It's, so it's, let's see how we look. We haven't seen us yeah. yet, guys. Let's see how it looks. <laughs> yeah. But a thank you to you. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, pop over to Spotify or YouTube to watch the video version so you can come to everything that's on there. Just a caveat from us, everything we discussed today is our opinions and not necessarily that of our employers. So that's it for us for this month. And we'll be back again next month with another video version. If you're on Spotify or YouTube, please subscribe because you get notifications when we come live to get the video versions. And if you want the audio versions, then go on to your favourite podcast provider and just click subscribe. That's it from us and we'll see you next month.